Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We're in the middle of a series called Prayer, Power, and Wisdom, and we hope that this blesses you. If you're looking for more information, check us out at newriverchurch.org. There's this uh, cool verse in 1 John. It says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know that verse? You ever heard that before? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I wonder what that looks like when you go to work. Like, have you ever thought about what does that look like practically? You know, I know it's kind of a catchy phrase, and it's, you know, great. Put it on a bumper sticker, make a poster of it. It's cool. It's encouraging. But, like, what does it practically look like when you go to work? That you walk into a space, and the one in you is greater than any other in the world. Do you think that that has the potential to dynamically change that space? I believe it does. Actually, I believe it ought to. Wouldn't that be what that means? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? See, the blessing that we bring to the city where we live is not just positive sayings, Although, hey, we could use more positive speech these days. That's a great thing. But the blessing that we bring to the place where we work or where we live is actually you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Could it be that the blessing on you, because you're a child of God, is actually the the gift that God wants to bring to the space where you live and where you function. Oh, that sounds like somebody's head against the wall. (laughs) The kids are having a great time in Grow Zone today. Don't worry, parents. Everything's okay. It's good. It's good. Yeah. (laughs) Could it be that the blessing, wow, have a good time, you guys, that the blessing of the Lord on your life is that great? See, God's blessing, uh, the word blessing simply means God's best. It's the best that God has to offer. God's blessing is God's best. And of course, as a child of God, you already have God's best because you have Christ. Is he not the best? He's the best that God has to offer. So you carry God's best with you wherever you go. And that has influence. You say, well, you think I'm making it up. Let me just give us some Bible references to lay some groundwork, okay? How about Abraham? Abraham, Genesis chapter 18, verse 18, God told Abraham this. He says, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. Through one man, all nations blessed through you. Genesis chapter 21, a couple of chapters later, the blessing on Abraham's life is so apparent and obvious that a pagan Canaanite prince named Abimelech actually sees it on Abraham and wants to make a treaty with him. Abimelech says this to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Literally, Abimelech wanted a piece of the action. He saw God's blessing on Abraham's life and says, I want that. And he sought to form a treaty together with Abraham. This is the way that God intended it to work, didn't he? That his blessing on you would be something that would attract the rest of the world to him. That they see you 
They see God in you. Do you realize that you're the Bible that your friends are reading? You are. You're, you're literally the Bible that they're reading. They're looking at your life like, man, well, that's the way God operates. That's the way that God believes. Like, that's what's true. That's what's not true. They're seeing it at work in your life, and they're seeing the blessing of God in your life. And the point is, they're supposed to be attracted to it. This is what Psalms chapter 67 says. I love Psalm 67. It's a pretty cool psalm. I'd recommend reading the whole thing. But Psalm 67, it's, it, it's all about God's blessing at work in your life and my life and attracting the world to him through us. Psalm 60, it begins like this, verses 1 and 2. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Do you see that? May, your, may you be gracious to us. Why? That your ways may be known on earth. Look at that. And then the middle of the psalm is essentially a prayer, praying for the peoples of earth. And then the psalm ends in verse 7. He says, God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Do you see the connection? God's intention is that he blesses you so that the rest of the world sees the blessing and wants him. That all, he says that all the ends of the earth will fear him. There's a connection here, friends, that we're trying to make today. My prayer is that this message doesn't just, we don't just go, oh, that's encouraging. But I pray instead that this thing actually becomes a part of the fabric of our heart, that when you walk into work, when you walk to school, when you, wherever you are later this afternoon, that you walk into the space knowing what it is you carry. You carry the blessing of God into that space, and it's better off because you are there. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. It's one of my favorites. I love this image, this picture. So Zechariah is Old Testament prophet, and hey, Israel's not doing so great, and so he's preaching some heavy things. But then in the middle of this, he says, he paints a picture of their future, and he says that the day is coming, God speaks. He says, in those days, 10 men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we heard that God's with you. I love that. Isn't that crazy? You say, well, yeah, but I'm not a Jew. Yes, you are. Galatians says that by faith, you are actually a descendant of Abraham. So his blessings are your blessings. His people are your people. You're actually more Jewish than your Jewish friend that doesn't believe in Jesus. You really are. So you understand. So this, this is you. And the day comes when, when the world sees the blessing of God on your life, and they go, I, I, I want to know the God you have. Because something's going on in your life. Like you got something together that I don't have. Like Abimelech wants to make a treaty with Abram because something's going on with you, Abram, and I'd like a piece of that action precisely. See, this is the blessing we carry, and then the message that we have is, look at anybody can have this. It's, it's Jesus. You just have to follow him, and he, he knows what he's doing. I found him to be the good shepherd. He leads, he guides, he directs. I do what he says. Like, that's the secret. 
so to speak. There's not a big secret. It's just let Jesus run things, and it works. True? So, 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 the, so your life is the, the bait, if you will, and then your message is it's available to anybody. Jesus is the secret. He's, he's there. So you see, why, why do you want to, let's just put this into action. Like, why would you want to serve on the Board of Education? Well, so that God's blessing can be there. Because God's blessing goes where you are. Why, why would you want to volunteer in a school to mentor troubled kids? Well, so that God's blessing can be there. Because that's how God's blessing gets there. It gets there through you. See, why, why, why would you... On August 14th, like, why do we want to fix somebody's fence or, you know, spruce up their flower bed? Like, why are we doing that? Why? So that God's blessing can be there, can go there, because that's what happens. God's blessing goes with me into the spaces where I go. See, isn't this kind of what Jesus meant when he called us salt? Like, isn't the whole idea of salt to get out of the salt shaker and flavor something? Like, it doesn't do any good if it's in the salt shaker, does it? See, the whole point is sprinkle some there and some there and some. That's that's the whole idea. And I don't know, I mean, it's pretty simple to look around. It seems like hell is sprinkling plenty of ilk all over the place. We see the ugly fruit and it reeks of the high heavens. So where are the people of God? (laughs) With the blessing of God. To go out, see, get out of the salt shaker. Like, that's the whole idea. You say, well, how does this work? I want, to, I want us to take a look at Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39 is, a, is a, just a classic Bible example of how God's blessing rests on a person and then blesses those around them. And it's the story of Joseph. So if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis 39, we'll read the chapter. But the story of Joseph, and the backstory is this. Joseph is the 11th of 12 boys. How's that for a family? So 12 sons, Joseph's number 11 in the lineup. His older 10 brothers absolutely hate him. So much so that his older brothers sell him as a slave to Egypt. That is a bad, those are crummy brothers. Can I get an amen? Like crummy brothers, right? So this is what happened. This is a bad day for Joseph. We come to Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. That's where he was sold. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Joseph is sold as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. You catch that? Same thing that Abimelech did with Abraham, Potiphar did with Joseph. Potiphar sees the blessing and he's like, hey, I want this guy to get close. Potiphar's no dummy. See? Pulled him close. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, look at this, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian 
because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. Smart man, Joseph. Verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and he had run out of the house, she called her household servants, look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners are confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. You see what's going on in Joseph's life? Not once, but twice. Twice he gets the raw deal, doesn't he? There's nothing in this story that is good for Joseph, is there? He's a slave. He's imprisoned. It is not a good day for Joseph. And yet, the blessing of God is on his life and the people around him see it and receive the benefit of it and they begin to elevate him because they want the blessing. Isn't that remarkable? They, they want what Joseph has. I wish so much the Bible gave us more details about how Joseph functioned, like how he carried himself because I, I'd be fascinated to know that, wouldn't you? Like, man, how did Joe do it? And yet, one thing I think we can grab out of this in a big picture way is this. God's blessing doesn't need for you to have a good day in order to work. And this is one of the primary differences between God's blessing and just positive thoughts and good vibes. Like positive thoughts, good vibes, that's all about just making things nice, like you're you know, your whole feng shui has got to be going good in order for you to have those, right? But God's blessing doesn't need 
your day to be going well in order to work. It's that powerful. See, in fact, it, it almost might be more powerful. Like you could almost say that God's blessing, when in contrast to darkness, it shines even more. It's kind of like when you go to the jewelry store. I mean, not that I go there very often, but, you know, enough to know. When they show you a watch or show you a ring or whatever it is, what do they do? They, they put it on a piece of black velvet, don't they, under a nice light, so that the contrast makes that thing you're looking at really look much better. It sparkles. It's more attractive. And I wonder if that's partly what God does with us sometimes. Let me take the blessing that I've got on your life, and, and we're going to, here's a hard day, but that blessing now shines even brighter. And the people around you go, what is that? I want it. This is what's going on for Joseph. Part of the message that he gives to us is that God can make you, if God can make you successful in prison, then he can make you successful anywhere. You see that? If God can make you successful as a slave, then he can make you successful anywhere. Like, you literally don't need your circumstances to be going well in order for God to bless you and to be, you know, you don't need right circumstances to succeed. That's how the world operates, don't they? That's how they think. In the world, you have to have everything set up for you. You've got to have a few lucky breaks, and then you can succeed. But God's blessing on your life doesn't work that way. It doesn't. He can take the worst of situations and make you successful in it. You see, the, the safest place in the world to be is in the center of God's will. It's right where he wants you. That's the safest place. Even if that will finds you sold as a slave, that's the safest place for you to be. I'm not saying that there's a reason for everything. I'm not trying to blow sunshine and, you know, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna or anything like that. I'm just saying that in everything, in everything, you and I can find a reason to glorify God. In everything. That I can honor God in good times and I can honor God in bad times. And honoring him in bad times actually makes it shine even brighter. See, that's, that's what we're saying here. God's blessing is on you. So, like, what if he wants to bless a prison? Well, I guess he's got to get you there somehow. I'm not suggesting you do something wrong to go there. I'm just trying to throw this out as an example. You know what I mean? It's not to punish you. It's to bless them. See, what if, what if God wants to bless a failing business? Well, maybe he gets you hired there. Because that's how he brings the blessing to that business, is to put his man, his woman, in that spot. He sends his Joseph there. See? Maybe we tend to only think about our circumstances. Have you noticed that? I tend to only think about what I'm going through. Like, my job is so bad, I can't stand working there. Or my school is so terrible, can't wait to get out of there. Or this neighborhood is so lousy, I can't wait to move. But don't you get it? God put you there. Like, your presence in that place actually changes the atmosphere of that place. Do you see that? Like, like your presence there, it gives that place a whole new future. If you begin to own it, 
then you'll begin to make that a reality. Own it. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You know, you're, you're designed to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Not, you, know, you know the difference? The thermostat sets the temperature. The thermometer just tells you the temperature. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say things are lousy. Anybody can do that. You need a thermostat. You need the person that comes into the place and says, no, we're gonna, this is actually going to become a better, this is better. I've got, a, I've got a hope. There's a hope and a future for this place. There's some plans. My God wants to do something pretty great here. See, I'm setting the temperature of the environment. I'm the thermostat, not the thermometer. You know, many years ago, uh, when I was a kid, um, we had this old lady in our church. And I know when you're a kid, everybody's old. But for her name, she really was old. Mrs. Pennington was uh, pretty old. And as an older lady in her golden years, she was in and out of hospitals because she had different health issues and things. And, and I, I remember hearing her say sometimes, I don't know why God keeps me around. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. You know, she would talk like that. Just wanted to die, essentially. But, you know, you look at her life, every time she went to the hospital... She would lead a doctor or some nurse to the, to the Lord, or she would pray with somebody in the staff. She was always sharing Jesus with people. I'm like, well, that's probably why he's keeping you around, lady, right there. I mean, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's using those circumstances that, that I'm in to the glory of God. I guess what I'm asking is, what if the things that happen to us are actually not meant for us? What if the things that happen in your life are actually not meant for you, but they're meant for somebody else, like meant to bless somebody else? You know, Bud, Bud can tell you the story. A number of years ago, I was in a car crash. I was T-boned at an intersection and uh, landed me at the Manchester ER. So I'm in the hospital there, blood on my gash on my forehead. And Bud came in to visit me, and uh, that was very kind, very nice. And we're talking. The guy in the bed next to me, and, you know, across the curtain there, it's all that's dividing us, the guy, he was in a lot of pain, severe pain. He had been there for a long time. Kidneys were hurting, abdomen. He was just in a lot of pain. He was a hurting unit. And uh, so Bud goes to pray for me. Remember, Bud? And you remember? All right. So then I go, so I go, hey, well, thanks for praying for me, but can you pray for him? And so Bud did. He prayed for the guy in the bed next to me. And within an hour, the guy was pain-free and leaving the hospital. See? Now you say, well, wait a second. Are you, am I suggesting that God had me get in a car crash and gash my forehead to go to the ER so that Bud could pray for that guy and give him a better day? You know, I don't know. Can I just be honest? I don't know. Sounds like God. You say, yeah, but Roush, your car still crashed, you know? Yeah, and you know what? The Lord gave me another car, and I got a scar. It's kind of cool and a great story. So the Lord takes care of you. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, the Lord takes care of you. Have you seen his care in your life? You see, so, so, so why do I make it like that car crash is the end of the world? Why do I make it like that gash in the forehead is just the worst thing ever? Why? The Lord takes care of me. He provides. Anybody here starving? 
Never, anybody, you know, no. The Lord takes care of us, doesn't he? So, so why do I let my circumstances, like, consume me? Why, why do I do that? Why not look at these circumstances and say, hey, here's a ministry opportunity. Here's a chance. This is going to be cool. I can't wait to see what God's blessing does in this circumstance. It's going to be fun. Here's what I know. The only one who can stop God's blessing from flowing through you is you. I mean, God's blessing's powerful, but he works with your will, and you're the one that can stop it. Your attitude will either open the floodgates or clog up the works. I can either live as a victim of my circumstances, or I can redeem them for good. Amen? So does Joseph have hard days? Yeah, Joseph has hard days. Nothing about being a slave and put in prison is good for Joseph. I'm not even suggesting that somehow that was easy street for him. It wasn't. It was hell on earth for sure. But Joseph remained faithful to God. He maintained his integrity as a man of God. And God blessed an entire nation through Joseph. How do we know? Like, How do we know that that was God at work? At the end of Joseph's life, at the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, Joseph is reconciled with his brothers. Remember his crummy brothers that sold him into slavery? Reconciles with his brothers. He forgives them. And his brothers, he's talking with his brothers, and they're not quite sure what to think of Joseph's forgiveness. They're, they're a little nervous still. And Joseph reassures them with these words. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. So their wicked intentions were trumped by God's good intentions. Something. You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good, to use this situation to save many lives. Now, that's some perspective, isn't it? We got we to get over something. You know what we got to get over? We, we got to get over the need for a good day in order to be good. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I have to have everything be going good today in order for me to have a good day. But the truth is, I can be good even in a lousy day. I need to get over my need to have a good day in order to be good. Because God's blessing on my life supersedes my circumstances. You're staring at me like I'm being funny. We have to understand that, that God's blessing on our lives is great, even in a bad day. That's not living in denial. That's not at all. It's, it's, it doesn't do anybody any good to deny hurt. It's perfectly, it's not holy to say, oh, I'm good, when really you're hurting. That's not holy. But it is holy to say, you know, I'm hurting. It hurts. But I'm also hopeful that God's doing something in this. I see the hand of God at work. I'm convinced that he's going to make something good out of this. I know it. And I'm looking for it. I'm excited to see it, even though I'm hurting. That's holy. Do you hear the difference? That's not living in denial. It's just simply owning the fact that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. See? I just want to close a little story for us this morning. 
a, long, a number of years ago, I'm a, I got to, a number of years ago, our church was um, building a hospital in the Republic of Congo in Africa. And so during that season, about 10 years or so long, I had the privilege to go to Congo three different times. And on one of those trips, I met, Karis, you can come and play. On one of those trips, I had the privilege of meeting this dynamic Christian couple. Uh, his name was Edmund, and I can't remember her name. I think it was Victoria, but don't quote me on that. So it's been a number of years. But here's this dynamic Christian couple. And one day we had the chance to talk deeply, and so I asked them about their story. And they began to share their testimony with me. Edmond said, he started it. He said, well, <clears throat> I was a very bad man. That's how he began his testimony. And I thought, well, I better buckle up. He said, I was a very bad man. I was the leader of a gang. I've killed people. I've done many bad things. And he said, one Friday night, one night, I abducted this woman and took her back to my house intending to rape her. <clears throat> and he, he did. He said only, I couldn't do it. I tried several times. Something stopped me. Finally, he was frustrated, didn't know what was going on. And this woman told him that the reason why you can't do anything to me is because I belong to Jesus and he's protecting me. Edmond was so stunned by this. Who is this Jesus that could stop a rapist that he untied her and she sat there and she shared the gospel with him and she led him to faith in Jesus Christ that night. She invited him to his church. He became part of her church. He started to get discipled. He started to grow. He became a dynamic Christian man, fell more and more and more in love with Jesus, fell in love with her. And now this couple sitting in front of me has a dynamic Christian witness. This woman married her would-be rapist after she led him to Christ and discipled him and all that. That's, that's not missionary dating, like that's a whole different level, you know what I mean? But the point is you say, could God do something like that? Yes. I'm not suggesting that, you know, you, you start a, a rape ministry. Like, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying that if God can take, like, the worst of circumstances like that, if he can take the worst of circumstances and, and redeem them for good because his blessing is on that woman... You know, his blessings on her. If he can do that, then he can do that in your life and mine. Whatever circumstance it is you're facing, whatever it is you're in, know that God has called you, you know, he's got his blessing on you. And you walk into that space and you're changing it. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's the truth. That's the truth. You know, I was thinking about this message too this morning and I feel like there's another, there's another whole side to this message, another whole application to this message, and that's this. If you're somebody that struggles with uh, social anxiety, I think this is the cure. Right? 
You walk into a space or you're concerned, you're nervous about going into a space because you're anxious about that space, what's going to happen. I understand that many people struggle with that. But as a child of God, you carry the blessing of God into that space, right? So you understand that those people need you. Like, like that space is made better because you're there. So, so why not take the truth of this message this morning and apply it to your heart in that way? And, and before you go into a social setting, first of all, ask God for strength. Secondly, remind yourself, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. These people actually need me. And walk in like you own the space, because you do. They're better off because you're there. I don't know. I'm no psychologist. I'm just thinking that could help with some of that social anxiety. You think, Kenny? You're the counselor. I figured I, could, I should run this by you first. I probably should have. So friends, that's, that's the word for us this morning. The power of God's blessing on your life. It's so powerful, all you need to do is show up and you bring the blessing. It's amazing. Let's pray. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.